You are now listening to the Actors Business Network with Elena Joy. For more, visit theactorsbusinessnetwork.com. Hey guys, welcome back to the Actors Business Network podcast. This is your host, Elena Joy. If you're joining us for the first time today, welcome. I do hope that you have had a look at our website, www.theactorsbusinessnetwork.com and checked out all of our freebies over there. Um, Today, we have a very exciting guest with us. So Chrissy Chanel is not only an incredible actress, but she is also a very, very, very good friend. And she is here to help you to learn how to navigate the acting industry from an actor's perspective. She has worked in LA, she's worked in London, so please do take her advice and put it into action. So I've always been quite motivated, quite driven to be successful. My mum was always like, follow your dreams, you can be whatever you want to be. And I was always very, very drawn to just being the best at whether it was musical theatre or acting or stage combat or whatever you know I've been in training since I was three years old went to the Brit school went to drama school did everything and just kept pushing and then I experienced trauma in my life and suddenly everything got flipped upside down including my identity I suddenly started getting my anxiety and before I thought that anxiety was like a myth I thought, oh, it's just like another excuse, like for people not to achieve their goals. And then suddenly I got it and was like, oh my gosh, my life is ruined. (laughs) So I sort of spent a couple of years battling that and just sort of trying to find my place, living with that and still trying to achieve my goals as an actor um, in, in a very fast moving industry where everyone's kind of looking for an excuse to delete you off the pile. Like, you know, that's why you've got to get the best headshots because if one doesn't stand out then okay well they don't take headshots seriously let's just get rid of them so so yeah it was quite quite a tough time in my life so what were you like before all of this so you said that you were very goal orientated you were very sort of like success orientated how did that sort of work on the day-to-day for you did you make like yearly goals five yearly goals or was it more of a I am doing everything in my power to achieve my dreams. How did that, what did that look like before anything happened that changed your perspective, before anxiety, before all of that? What was sort of like your normal process of a sort of week to week? How much did you put towards your career? I guess I put a lot of effort in, but at the same time, I sort of had this like cool attitude and relied on luck. I was like, my personality will get me into places I'm not supposed to be. And, you know, I was always finding myself in an amazing opportunities. Um, And I think I decided to go to LA in 2017 um, because I wanted to do film. I decided I'm not really interested in theatre. I really, really like film. I'd worked on short films since I was 15. So I'd been doing short films for like, like 10 years already, a couple of indie films here and there. And I was like, I love this. I want to, I want to make a career out of this. And where is the place to be that I need to make this career? And everyone was saying, you need to go to LA. You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. And I had all these mixed opinions about it. So I thought, okay, let's just go for it. I didn't have any plans. I literally just bought a ticket. It was like due to come back three months later, I booked some accommodation and I was like, right, I'm not sofa surfing. So I booked to stay in an Airbnb basically with a producer. 
and uh, she managed she was amazing her whole house she um, had interns and everything they had an agency they made productions and it was the best thing ever because I just got to be sort of inside the house while they were like doing everything so I was always putting myself in opportunities that I could make the most out of so I had no excuses to like not succeed if that makes sense yeah so then LA obviously you like planned to go to LA you went to LA you lived that lifestyle then what happened um well I loved LA and I was literally I loved it so much I came back for a week to do a job back in the UK and then I flew back out again to help on a short film and it was brilliant they've got this thing out in um, LA called Brits uh, well Brits in LA and they all meet every Tuesday so anyone who's British meets and you've got everyone from producers directors to window cleaners tax accountants lawyers like everyone just meets so it's an opportunity to meet everyone so from that I managed to do a film festival while I was in LA I managed to do like it was like a film competition I managed to do um, a photo shoot in Bel Air another photo shoot in another beach and just get invited to all these events because when you're out there it's just like yeah come along come along so I was so buzzing off of that energy um, and then when I spoke to a lawyer about moving out there, they were like, okay, if you want to move here, you need to get as many newspaper articles or online articles about you as you can to prove that you are worth having here in LA to get your O-1 visa. So they were like, just go to your local newspaper and say, local girl is in this new indie film, this new film here doing this project and just really just get your name out there. And the more evidence you can get, that's how you get back to us with a visa so I was like okay so I went back to the UK and I was in the midst of like trying to get more work together so I could get more um media coverage on what everything I was I was doing which is all a bit of a blur to be honest and then I mean please stop listening right now if you have sensitive ears and don't want to hear anything traumatic but then what happened to me was I was literally doing my paperwork and then my mum got hit by a car my dad got hit as well and my dad survived but my mum died and it completely shattered everything so for me I mean it's it's such a massive blur I was just oh I was just so broken and suddenly like nothing mattered anymore it was like she was my cheerleader she was like my biggest rock to you know she was the only one that would say you're really good and and just go for your dreams and be this amazing person and suddenly I didn't have a cheerleader anymore I didn't really have anyone I, di I didn't really have anyone that really like believed in me or so I believed so I kind of just sort of gave up a little bit um and then my friend invited me back out to LA to help her with her film she was doing like um she was doing her first film. So I came out, helped to do fundraising. Basically, I worked as an intern for a couple of weeks, which was amazing. But what I did was I just tried to stay positive. I was like, right, just keep, just keep pushing to get to LA. And basically, I realized I was just running away from my problems. So I didn't realize for two years that I had PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, because I was like, oh, well, I've never been in a war before. I was like, I can't get PTSD. <laughs> I was like, nothing's happened to me. Like, I didn't even see the accident with my mom. Like, what's going on? But what happened um, was my, my body was having experiences. So I'd be exhausted all the time. I'd have panic attacks. I was just anxious all the time. I, yeah, it was just 
very, very physical func uh, bodily responses. Um, so it kind of just took over my life and I kept fighting it and being like, no, I'm really positive. And if I just battle this with positivity, it's gonna go away, it's gonna disappear and I'm gonna get back to being myself, especially as before my identity was this strong, fierce woman. You know, if anyone ever saw me cry, they'd be like, oh my gosh, if you're crying, then the world's ended. I was that person, you know. I always got cast as um, kick-ass female, like the villain. You know, I just had that identity of being this strong, fierce woman. So to suddenly be how I saw very weak, um, vulnerable, I lost loads of weight. I was really skinny and just like bony. <laughs> and I just felt like I wasn't me anymore. Um, and actually that year when I, I did do workshops and put myself out there, I actually got to create a new side of me. Um, I think one of my, um, showreel pieces is actually me. Um, can you hear my dog crying? Sorry, he's <laughs> crying because his dad just went out. Um, yeah, was actually a really, really vulnerable side that I'd never shown before. And it was actually... An amazing opportunity because acting is when you you know should be your most vulnerable it's about finding a character and finding those similarities that make you a human and I spent so long fighting that weakness and that vulnerableness in me because I was like ah it's not my branding <laughs> but actually what I was doing was just pushing myself further away from acting and it would have been so much better just to embrace that vulnerability embrace that anxiety and yeah and it is scary when you feel like you have this identity but sometimes you just have to let it go and be like okay how am I today yeah what what's happening in my body today and it's been a I'm very I don't know about you but I hate saying no to things so I'd end up taking on too much stuff and then my mental health or whatever would make me really exhausted and then I wouldn't be able to do things to my best and actually that's the worst thing you can do because then you ruin your reputation and you need to have a good reputation in this industry so if you need to take time out and be like do you know what um there's stuff happening in my life right now that's completely distracting me from the dream that is honestly taking over and I'm trying to force it out of my mind but it's taking over or my body's having like these experiences like panic attacks or anxiety attacks it's so much better to just take a step back and just stop everything and maybe have some therapy, maybe talk to a friend, maybe talk to someone that you don't know, maybe, you know, message me and have a chat about, you know, with someone that you don't know, just to see what's going on, because you need to have this inner strength in this in industry, which um, it just needs to come from a good place. It needs to come from a place of power as opposed to a pace, uh, a place of weakness. I agree completely. And I also think like you are ultimately your truth. Mm -hmm. Like you are your truth and it's how you acting is presenting the truth. So the more that you can be authentically you, the better that you're going to do within this environment. And if that means dedicating a couple of months, taking a couple of months out to just focus on you, then when you come back, you're going to be a stronger version of you yeah for all of the tribulations that you face within the industry it is mm -hmm. hard it is hard going yeah and um, that being said 
so then what happened so um so I kept you know it was like a long battle and I do have like kind of like a few memory gaps <laughs> to be honest because that's what happens when you have PTSD your brain doesn't uh, memorize information so much which is also really awful if you're uh, trying to be an actor and learn lines you know so honestly take that break um but then I decided I was going to try uh, and make my own film so I got a famous book which I'm absolutely in love with and I got together a team of people and was like hey do you want to film a scene um so I got camera crews together makeup everything like we spent weeks preparing for it and um it it honestly was probably one of the biggest lessons of my life was creating work from the other side so first of all we did a little fundraiser and um, we made like only 1500 which pretty much all went on one day i mean <laughs> in retrospect i should have like maybe filmed something smaller but that's not me i'm like go big or go home that's just the kind of personality i am so i decided i wanted this big fantasy film with sword fighting and loads of prosthetics and stuff so i went you know i would i wouldn't recommend it <laughs> so basically um yeah I got this production together and I tried to be an actor in it who's sword fighting and also I tried to be the producer and it just was like so tough like if you want to be a director and an actor in the same piece I honestly would highly recommend hiring a director if you want to act in it or just step you know take a step away from the actually being on the screen just as a learning curve and I realized when I was casting I had to cast like five people I only cast people that I knew and the reason was is because I only had so much money and I was like oh gosh I can't afford to have anyone let me down I can't afford to have anyone that can't turn up on a day because they've got other commitments or whatever it was so I only picked people that I really trusted and that was sort of my number one lesson in the industry. If you're a nobody and you've got no films behind you, you've got no experience, like it's very, very difficult to, to break into a film without actually meeting people. Like I think these networking events are so great, especially in LA as well, because people would be like, oh, Chrissy, man, she's so cool. Like you gotta hire her. She's cool with swords and she's good at all these like, like fighting scenes and stuff. And I was like, but, John, you haven't even seen my reels and my films. He's like, ah, <laughs> don't worry about it. I know you're good, you know. So <laughs> it's, like, it's like, if people can trust you, um, then they will hire you. And even if they haven't seen your work, if they get that vibe from you, I've heard people go, I know you're good, you know, which is so dangerous. But unfortunately, that's how the industry is. Like, and by making your own work, you can really put yourself in those shoes. Like, who would I hire? Who can I trust with my money? Who can I trust to turn up on time? Who can I trust not to be a diva and just get on with it? Who can I trust that's gonna collaborate with me? Who's gonna, who's gonna work with me where I'm thinking about camera angles, the sun's going down, I've got to sort out lighting and ev everything. Who can I trust to do their job? Your job as an actor is to do your job. Learn your lines, please. If, if someone gives you a direction, change, change it if you can, but don't give the, film crew hassle don't ask silly questions <laughs> just do your job and I think that was a massive massive learning curve for me what would you have done differently in hindsight I probably would have practiced doing a easier filming piece like maybe just uh practice doing a scene with just me and another person maybe even if that was a difficult sword fight and just basically getting a team of people around me that I trust. So getting that 
camera camera person who's who is you know reliable knows what kind of lighting looks good and that's one thing the film company that I use and actually paid for I was like I could have shot this better than you and I'm just an actor <laughs> like, mm. so I think really doing your research and finding someone who's on the wave the same wavelength as you also finding someone who sort of has the same passion with as you so the person who was working with me on this who's a director um called Sarah Kingdom she loved fantasy films so we both had this passion and we sort of energized each other on to do this, this, you know, big production. So I think find, find your tribe in a way, if you love documentaries, find other people that love documentaries. You know, there's people out there. If you love action, find those people. If you love thrillers, you know, so just put yourself out there, write your own stuff and just get your, yourself on there on the screen. And, you know, the first couple films you do might be really bad, but at least you'll have the experience um, to be better and to work on someone else's film. Yeah, I think that's a lot could be said for that. And also waiting for people to give you an opportunity as opposed to grabbing hold of an opportunity and actually just saying, you know, what, I've got this time right now. There isn't anything booked in the diary. What am I going to create? That is still acting work that is still valid that is still creating a credit for yourself yeah. instead of saying I haven't had an audition in three months now I'm so depressed or yeah. you know having a breakdown at, at the day job or whatever it might be because mm -hmm. it is a hard industry and you can find those moments and if you end up having a whole year where the majority of the work that you have done you have created yourself that yeah. is using creativity that is using all of the skills you need as an actor anyway mm -hmm. so ultimately you're only giving yourself more opportunities I think as well with films and things like that when you are creating them yourself you can almost tailor it completely to your casting yeah. you can say I'm looking for an opportunity where I can play this character or I really desperately need this for my showreel mm -hmm. and then you're giving yourself that opportunity to not only um, create something in that moment but also something that you're going to use to promote yourself in the next steps of your career yeah and I think use your skills as well like I see so many people like oh I'd do so much better if I had a if I could do some stage combat and I'm looking at them and I'm thinking I would never cast you doing any combat <laughs> at all and especially if you go to places like LA for insurance purposes you're not allowed to do your own stunts unless you're like Rihanna or you know Tom Cruise it for insurance purposes you do not do your own stunts mm. um so they're going to get a stunt person anyway so just get on with what you've already got, the skills you've already got. If you want to work on any skills, um, do acting lessons. You know, there's so many acting classes out there, even on Zoom. And I think just keep honing that craft. And um, someone told me a really good statement the other day or quote or whatever you want to call it. It was like, a master is just someone who does the basics well. And instead of always trying to add everything to your to your belt, like, oh, and I do circus and oh, I do this. And to be honest, I've taken things off my CV because I used to be a singer and I've, I've pretty much taken that off. I used to be a dancer. I've taken off because when you go on someone's profile and you see singer, dancer, actor, stage combat person, director, it's like unless you've won some kind of major awards and they're on your Instagram profile or on your website right there, I kind of go, mm, I doubt that. <laughs> yeah, because it's like jack of all trades, master of none. It's exactly. that, yeah, sometimes less is more. I think that is very true when it comes to 
acting. I think the more specific you can be, the more, this is always one that opens a can of worms on every conversation I have, because uh, personally, if I was to go back into acting, knowing, learning, having learned what I have done from being in the industry, from talking to different people throughout the podcast and things like that, I would approach things entirely different to how I did it when I was doing it. Mm-hmm. And even down to the fact that I wouldn't say I do stage and I do screen, I'd pick one. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, I would literally narrow the focus, narrow it, narrow it, narrow it, um, to the point of almost being within a, within, within a little bit of movement, a specific character. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't even stretch my age range. I wouldn't say I'm uh, 18 to 30. I would literally say a specific age a specific type of character and then I would contact industry professionals based on that casting so let's say it was film for instance then I would go into the indie film circuit I'd find people who are making similar films to the ones that I want to be cast in I would send them my cv I would tailor my showreel to that exact character um, and then put all of my energy all in one direction so that it's not being oh, I can do theatre, oh, I can do film, oh, like you just said, like stage combat, this, that, the other. Um, I think the more specific you can be, then when they look at your face, when they see your headshot that is perfectly branded with your showreel, they go, that is that character. Yeah. And then that opens doors, opens opportunities. And then when you get to a certain level of success, then maybe, you know, okay, now I'm at this level with film, I might dabble in theatre or I might do this, might do that. I'm just an example, but that's definitely from the experience that I've had, like learning from all these different people, 100% what I do. And how amazing is it when you've met someone who's like an actor and then suddenly like you'll just hear them singing on set or under their breath, just being themselves. And you're like, oh my God, I didn't know you could sing. And so you have this huge admiration for them because you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know you could do that. That's incredible. And it's sort of, instead of saying, yeah, I'm an expert at all of this, it just sort of, it lets other people put their opinion on you. And if you did want to say, for example, sing in a film, like my ex singing teacher, he used to get actors sent to him and like the BBC would pay him to train actors how to sing. So if they'd cast someone, they're not casting them because they're the best singer necessarily, they're casting them because they're the best actor. And then they'll do singing lessons on top of that. If that makes sense. So if a a casting director really wants you, I mean, commercials are a bit different, but I'm, I'm thinking more in terms of like narrative, um, then they will go the extra mile to make sure you've got that extra training. Yeah, it's the same for pantomimes and things like that as well. You see those actors who are who are actors primarily, and then they go mm-hmm. to a pantomime, then they have a solo song and you're like, <laughs> you know, all those opportunities there, or they move over into musicals. Yeah. Often exactly. the leading roles in musicals, not not every every single musical, um, I wouldn't go that far, but in a lot of the musicals, they haven't come from musical theatre school, the leading people. They've, yeah. the, the people who have come from musical theatre schools and things like that, a lot of the time, um, the dancers and the singers who are yeah. not forefronting the show, a lot yeah. of the time they're actors who have got um, a household name who will be forefronting those shows. I think that is really interesting. But just to go back on um, something you said a minute ago when you were saying about um, take acting classes, things like that. I think that is absolutely crucial. And it's something that is so missed by a lot of people who graduate drama school. Certainly for me, I'd never realised, not that I never realised, but I didn't consider 
with the small amount of money that I was earning to put that back into acting lessons. Yeah. I was sort of like, I've got my degree, da la la, now I'm ready for auditions. But then when you haven't had an audition for three months, you can certainly get to the point where you feel a little bit rusty. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, I've said this on a couple of different um, podcasts, but you wouldn't ever go and buy a painting from somebody, from an artist who hasn't painted in three years or three months or however long. They practice their craft, they keep going. And that's it with acting, it's constantly developing. And I think yeah. if you can get yourself into an acting class, even if it is something over Zoom, where it's people from the same class who you've graduated with and you've said, you know what, let's create something, let's do something. Mm-hmm. Um, let's mess around with scenes, let's have fun. Yeah. And you just say, once a week, we're gonna do that on a Sunday not only have you or whatever day but not only have you created a group of actors that you can collaborate with but you've also opened yourself up to so many more networking opportunities because those actors are going to come with their own agents with their own um set of credits behind them and then when you get to the point where you can put on a show or something like that they invite their contacts you invite your contacts and before you know it you effectively have a showcase yeah which not necessarily a showcase in the form of um, traditional showcase in drama school where you try to get an agent, but you could have casting directors there. You could have, mm-hmm. oh, well, my friend's casting director's assistant for da da la I'm going to invite them. And then you have this whole network, which you've expanded just through a little bit of messing around with some scenes on a Sunday or whatever day on mm-hmm. Zoom. Like yeah. there's so many opportunities if you go out and find them. Yeah. And I think it's so important. Like when I look at your Instagram page, it's always like, you know, learn a monologue or something. And it is like learning monologues or or routines or whatever it is, it's a muscle. And if you do not use that, that muscle in your brain to memorize things, then that it just goes away. It's the same as any other muscle in, in your body. Don't expect to be a runner, then take, you know, a few months off and then expect to be at the same level you were running before. Yeah. So, yeah, it takes about three days, isn't it, to lose muscle mass or something like that. So if you think about your acting skill in a very similar sense, and a lot of the exercises that you can do take, like, I mean, learning a monologue, you change speed depending on how often you do it. If you do it all the time, you'll learn them really quickly, as you well know. But mm-hmm. when it comes to things like voice exercises and stuff like that, you can yeah. literally do them in the shower. Yeah, I do them on my dog walk in the morning, literally every day, because I know I'm either going to be talking to someone or I'm going to be doing, I do a lot of voiceovers now. So when I'm taking the dog out in the morning, 10 to 7, I'm out there, I'm doing, I'm literally look like a crazy person walking down the road doing my voice exercises, but it needs to be done because again, it's a muscle and um, tongue twisters and stuff as well, because especially if you live in your own area and not everyone is from London, um, you know, you would tend to go back to your, your sort of lazy tongue. Yeah. Um, so it's important to try and keep those exercises so you can uh, pronounce words clearly. Yeah. James has rubs off on me. Yeah. <laughs> He's um, yeah. He rubs off a little bit and I get a little bit. <laughs> it's quite funny. Uh, yeah. So what happened after the film? So you did the film. Okay, so I made my own production in the end of 2018. So we started getting it all together 2019. And then, oh my gosh, that seems like so long ago. And then I set myself some ridiculous tasks. Like I was like, right, I'm gonna get my spotlight. And then by the time it's gonna run out next year, if I haven't made it, 
then I'm just going to quit. And I kept giving myself these ultimatums, which is ridiculous. Like, I mean, it's really nice to say in your head, like, this is my year and stuff, but try and make realistic goals because otherwise you're just kind of setting yourself up for disappointment. So, I mean, I looking back now, I wish I set goals like learn one monologue a week. You know, that could have been my goal as opposed to I'm going to be on a TV show in the UK where, to be honest, if you look at TV, I don't have a TV, but when I do look at TV, you notice the same actors all the time in all the productions. It's such a tiny industry. So to break into that, even whether you have an agent or not, is so tough. So setting realistic goals is something that I, I wish I did. Like reaching um, out to casting directors. Like you can't, it's the same thing. I heard somebody say um, it's on one of the, one of the episodes is either coming up or has already happened um, about Instagram mm-hmm. and setting realistic goals for that. So some people set goals um, like, I would like to have 500 followers by this date. Mm-hmm. You have absolutely no control what how many followers you get, but you do yeah. have control as to how much your content adds value to other people. Yeah. So it's like flipping it on its head. So that's a very similar thing, what you're saying about the giving yourself an ultimatum if I'm not in TV. So it could be, uh, I'm going to reach out to, or I'm going to have a connection with three casting directors by the end of the year. Yeah. Or I'm going to have networked with a group of different actors and have a regular acting class, like mm-hmm. things like that. And you just made me uh, remember as well that I read this book, I think it was called The Big Leap or something. And it made me like really think, why do you like acting? Because before, like I was setting myself goals, like I want to be in um, a film in LA where I get to also do my own stunts or whatever it was. And then from then get paid jobs. So I earn like at least 50,000 a year, but that doesn't actually tell you anything. It's, it's, so what about the days where you feel really crappy when you wake up? What about the days where you don't want to get out of bed? What about the days where you've had 10 rejection letters and you just feel like it's all too much? Like you need to have some kind of mantra that reminds you why you why you like acting and really like keep breaking it down, like peeling it off, peeling it off. Like, um, so what I did was I really broke down. Why do you like acting? What is it about acting? And at first I was like, oh, it's just, it's a buzz that I don't get from anything else it's amazing I've done so many things and I just don't get the same buzz as when I'm on set or I don't get the same challenges but then I had to break it down again okay so what is it about what where is that buzz coming from and it turns out that what I love is connection so this is going to be different for everyone but for me on set you get to connect on so many levels. So you get to connect with um, a piece of writing that's uh, incredible because it's come from someone's brain. They've usually made it up, it's on paper and then it's coming to your lips and you're bringing it to life. You get to connect with a character, which is another human. You get to go inside another human's mind, body, life experiences and embody that. But um, for me, mainly it was connecting with other actors like on set and that back and forth banter like even if you're even if I'm doing kind of a serious acting piece in between takes I mean if it's really really serious you kind of it's better to stay in the zone but in between takes on something that's just a everyday uh (laughs) I don't know what, what kind of genre it would be but you can have a giggle and a laugh in between takes and really just give this energy to each other and find different sides to people that you didn't know were there and I absolutely love that so just finding, just ask yourself, 
what is it you love about acting? I love becoming someone else. Okay. And then just ask yourself one of these three questions. What is important about that? Or what does that give you? Um, or what's good about that? And just keep breaking it down and breaking it down until you can't break it down anymore. So you might get, so I feel like someone else and that gives me inner peace or that gives me an escape or that, and it would give you so much information about where you are in your own life. And I think you really need to dissect it and get to that point so that you can write your own mantra that even on the worst days where you're like, oh, I give up, I quit, I'm going to delete all my casting apps, I'm just going to give up this last five years of work or whatever, that you look at that and you're like, okay, get up, get out of bed, do a monologue, reach out, reach out to that casting director, reach out to that friend, write, I'm going to write a script, whatever it is, just do something creative. I love that. Mine is definitely, the reason why I loved acting is for those moments where you've connected to another character, so similar to you, you've done part of a scene, it's never the whole scene. I wish it could be the whole scene, but it never is. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you remember that you're an actor and you remember where you are and you remember everything else that's going on. But you have that moment where you are so invested and I guess bottom line of it would be focused and there's no distraction, it's just... And I think in today's world, there's so many distractions for everything that you do. It's so easy to just go, oh, my phone's lighting up, oh, this, oh, that. And you're just all of a sudden like, oh, like there's so much stimulation. Whereas when you can have those pure moments when you are, I guess in a similar way, it's like when you have a really in-depth conversation. Mm -hmm. But there's something different when you're playing a character because it isn't, it's ultimate truth, it's ultimate authenticity. Yeah. And it's like you've reached that point of you believing 100% in the given circumstances, in um, your objective, in the, the other character. And all of a sudden, everything around you, like the entire room becomes the room that you are in. And yeah. for me, I get that. I've had that mostly from being on stage. And then when the audience disappears, that fourth wall goes up. And then it's like literally like electric, but it's only yeah. momentarily. It doesn't, yeah, yeah. it doesn't last. It, it's, you know, five, six minutes. Then all of a sudden you're like, bing, oh, I'm back in the real world again. Okay, now I need to refocus and re-get back to that point again. Mm-hmm. Because obviously your brain does go, I am on stage right now. <laughs> like we're not machines, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think for me, that in itself was like the complete inner wrapped up sort of gift box version of what I absolutely loved about acting so I can really resonate with the connection thing yeah and um what you reminded me of I listened to one of your other podcasts and it was all about being in the moment yeah and it's we like you said there's so many distractions we're not often in the moment but at that moment you are so absorbed with the other actor or maybe it's a monologue or whatever it is you're so absorbed in that in that second that that's all that matters And our bodies like that. Our bodies like to just be focusing on one thing. (laughs) It gets quite stressed if you're like thinking about multiple things all the time. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Mm. Um, I was going to say something. I always do this. Sorry. (laughs) I thought of something that you said when you were describing. Let me go through it in my head. Connection. Acting. Being on stage, being on set. I know what it was. Um, when you were saying about the days that you have sort of 
all of the 10 rejection letters and everything else. Um, I was going to say as a tip for that from a guy called Steve Sims, who wrote a book called Blue Fishing. Mm-hmm. What he does is he um, sets himself a target of losses. So it might be um, to get 15 rejections. That's his target. Mm. He wants to get 15 rejections. And when he gets 15 rejections, he is going to have a bottle of Prosecco or he is going to have a spa day or he's going to buy new shoes. And he sets himself these targets of something that he wants at the end of the 15 rejections. And what it does is it flips on its head so much that all of a sudden you start literally counting your losses and every time you get say for instance you get three losses and then somebody replies to your email that means you have to start again Mm. because that's a win so you go back to zero and then you count up again and you might get to four and then you go back to zero and what you'll find is it is incredibly difficult with the amount of wins that we're actually getting to get to 15. So it really changes your perspective on the nose and it becomes something you're like, right, okay, yeah, that's fine. I'm at three. That's, that's all good because I'm going after this. If I get that many nose, I know I'm going to get that. And that yeah. is ultimately um, a win. So I think there's different tricks that you can do. That for me personally works incredibly well mm. because I, you can physically see, and I keep it on a spreadsheet as well. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Um, so I have everything in green that's a yes, and then everything that's red in a, w- w- which is in red is a no. Um, but I don't take a no at the first hurdle. So say for instance, this is just an example, because obviously I'm not acting anymore. So this would be an example if you were acting. You might contact a casting director, of course, within the first three lines, telling them how you're going to add value to them and letting them know something interesting that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, once you've done that, let's say you don't get a reply. Now, that does not mean you can go red. That means try again Yeah. in a month's time. You have mm-hmm. to get them to not reply or to say no yeah. within three times. Mm-hmm. so I don't think you it's the same as you know like sales and things like that isn't it you can't just be like at face value if they don't reply yeah. <laughs> you can't say well that's a no that, that's just not how it works they might have been really busy that day it could have just been the weekend you might have emailed at the wrong time they could have yeah. come back into the office the next day and had 15 emails above yours yeah. you might have gone into their junk mail rather than their yeah. other inbox there's mm-hmm. so many reasons why you might not be able to get through to them so I think you've also got to be quite strict with yourself as to what is a no and yeah perhaps they just want you to contact them again that's kind of how I see it yeah <laughs> maybe that's just a little bit <laughs> hello <laughs> uh, watch it now I'll get a load of emails back from the podcast like nope sorry <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for a firm reply <laughs> But I love that because if you compare acting to any other business, and I think I've heard you say before, you are your own CEO, like you can't possibly know success until you've had so many failures. Like, I think I shared a picture not too long ago on Instagram of someone that was juggling plates on stage uh, in front of the whole audience. And the audience was like, oh my God, but um, behind the stage, there were stairs going down with like hundreds of broken plates. And it was, it was saying that people don't see the failures. So, you know, people say, oh yeah, you need to fail, but I don't think people actually like connecting. No, you literally have to fail before you, before you succeed. Yeah. I think it's great. I think every, every failure you should be able to learn something from Yeah, every single time. Like 
even if you just go back and you read the letter that you sent to the casting director and then you're like okay they said no they said let's say they say no which I feel like is very unlikely because the casting directors I've spoken to throughout the podcast they like to hear from actors if there's a reason why you're contacting them they they want to hear from you yeah um they've got a job to do you've got a job to do and ultimately if they book you for a role you know it's benefiting both of you um I can't remember the point to this I always do this um so yeah if you are emailing contact contacting a casting director and you've emailed them they have emailed back a firm no then reread your email and think about it did I add value have I added value to them or have I just asked them for a job yeah and did I really yes. fit? Did I really fit that casting? Did, did I, really I really fit that casting? Yeah. Was I approaching this in the right way? Yeah. Um, is this a casting director that works in the same field that I really want to work in? That's yeah. the other thing. You don't need 27 casting directors to like you. You mm-hmm. just need one that wants to book you. Yeah. So I had a friend who, um, when we were doing our MA actually, um, she had been called in for doctors Mm-hmm. loads and loads and loads of times in the past and the casting director really liked her and then finally when we were doing her MA she booked the role and it was just one of those things and it was like the role wasn't right the role wasn't right and then yeah. the second it was like so she'd been called for the same tv show <laughs> like wow. um and when I was speaking to the people from I Speak LA which is a different podcast Mm-hmm. they said the same thing they said that but you get quite a lot of actors that assume that the casting director is just messing with them or just getting them in for and they all of a sudden get really insecure and think oh why do I keep being called in but I'm not booking anything yeah like, well actually it's got nothing to do with that they're calling you in because they know you have something to offer and when the role is the right role you'll get it and then you'll get called in for something else yeah um they don't have the time to to do it to mess with you yeah <laughs> which I think is like really crucial and the thing is, it's so important to go and meet those people because I see jobs come up all the time um, and I'm someone immediately pops into my head that I've either met or I've just seen their work online. And I'll just message them and I'm like, this casting's come up and it sounds like you. And they're like, oh my gosh, like, thank you so much. But I think I'm a human. Casting directors are a human. They must do the same thing in a way like, oh, I'm sure I know someone that would fit this perfectly. I met them six months ago and blah, 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 you know. So I think, I think really that's really important. Yeah, what you just said as well, like being an actor that's um, out for other people. Yeah. That in itself, like if you see a casting that doesn't fit you, but it does fit somebody else, then put them in touch. Mm-hmm. Like or be that connection. Is, even if it's, you know, adds another competition to you, I think it's still really important because at the end of the day, it's probably not going to be a choice between you and them because you and someone else is probably completely different. We've all got different qualities to add, uh, yeah. like to, to offer. Um, it just would be what the, the director and casting director is looking for. So I think, yeah, always put other people forward for work. I love that about people. It shows yeah. that they're secure with themselves. And I think you really need to be secure in your, your love for yourself as an actor. Um, I can so tell someone walks in in a room and they're like all cocky or whatever I'm like oh your self-esteem's probably quite low isn't it I don't know you just get this sort of sense of people um, and quite equally you get people that are like might be really really quiet and and whatever but they might have really high self-esteem and you can sense that as well you want someone who knows who they are yeah whether they're loud or quiet <laughs> 100% I couldn't agree more with that actually because you are your product yeah so yeah you've got to love your flaws as well yeah because those flaws are what make you different yeah 
And I think ex life experience as well, like, I think life experience adds so much for acting as well. Like go out there when you have a side job that's trying to pay for something, like what can you get out of this role? What, oh, you're working as a waitress. Brilliant. Okay, well, there's a role for a waitress, you know. Oh, I've had waitressing experience. I've, you know, I think all this stuff adds so much value to you. And also hobbies. Like when I had really bad mental health problems, um, what really helped me was doing yoga on YouTube every day. And even if I was shaking, I was just going to do it every day. Um, just finding little hobbies, um, going on a walk with my dog, stuff like that. I didn't have a dog at the time, but you know, just finding these things that, that make you happy. I love playing piano. I love singing. Like maybe you like drawing, you know, making art or knitting hats, whatever it is, just <laughs> do other stuff where you get love and, um, in your life that brings you joy as well as that. acting. Yeah, this, there is more. There is more to life than just acting. Yeah, certainly, definitely. I think that also has to be a judgment cause to how much you're willing to give up. And I think if you know that, then you're not going to regret things. Mm -hmm. Because if you but, start doing things and then start regretting things, then you put yourself in a bit of a pickle. Yeah, and if you're always chasing and chasing and chasing, it takes quite a lot of energy, and you'll find your energy levels go quite low. But if, for example, you stop every night at six o'clock. And you're like, right, that's it. Now I'm going to make dinner. I'm going to go and draw myself some art. I'm going to, do you know what? I really want to do some research about something that's fun. That doesn't take any brain power. In fact, that gives you energy because it's something you're interested in. So you'll be creating energy for the next day. And I think that's really important. I know that I'm really stressed out when I've got like three self tapes to do in the day. I've got to do a voiceover. I've, you know, someone else has asked me for some quotes about voiceovers and I'm like still working at 10 o'clock at night. I am exhausted the next day as well. And I think you need to learn boundaries for yourself. Definitely, definitely. Even if it's just that you do one thing a day, if you're working a day job and you're working as an actor, even if it's you that you dedicate that you're going to do one thing a day for your career, then you're yeah. taking steps forwards and it doesn't need to be a case of burnout it just needs to be consistency yeah you just reminded me there's um a woman called uh, Rachel Naylor and she's quite big in the voiceover industry she runs like I think the voiceover network and I loved one of her um she said that she gets up at 5 a.m every day and does emails and emails people and does castings and she's got two kids she's got like a two-year-old and a four-year-old so I think there's no excuses if you've got a day job like get up earlier set your alarm um I heard you say on another podcast just go five four three two one and your feet are on the floor that's yeah. how I get up that's how I got up when I had really bad um anxiety I just had to say five four three two one my feet were on the floor and I'm up and I was doing emails so just managing your time better know when you're you've got the most brain power some people are night owls you know, I used to be a night owl before I had PTSD. I would um, like edit show reels and uh, uh, what do you call self tapes together until eight in the morning and then go to bed. Mm. But now I'm the other way around. If I get up at six or whatever, I'm much more energized. So really just, you know, look into yourself and see where your strengths are. Completely agree. I think I used to, well, I say I think I used to when I, I still think sometimes that I can do that. And then the next day, I'm just so tired. I've yeah. got like nothing left. And I'm like, why? I just did the same amount as when I got up earlier. Yeah. Um, so for me, I definitely have to get up earlier as well. Yeah, I don't same. know if I've ever been able to do it late. 
I think the next day is always a write-off if I do stay up too late doing that. Yeah. But also like, sometimes yeah. it's hard to stop because you're like yeah. in the in the zone. The zone. Like oh, the adrenaline's got you going and you just can't stop. And then afterwards you're like crash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So where can we find you online? Uh you can find me on Twitter, which is I'm gonna double check, but <laughs> everyone does this um so you can find me on twitter it's at chrissy chanel c-h-a-n-e-l um you can find me on instagram it's chrissy with an i-e underscore chanel underscore actor and yeah i think those are the main main places to find me so if, if anyone else wants to reach out about mental health um, any struggles you want to uh, struggles you want to share your stories or anything I will be happy to listen to you so do drop me a message thank you so much Chrissy. what an incredible episode and thank you so much to all of my listeners you guys are absolutely incredible now if you do want to get hold of any of the resources that have been talked about in today's episode please do head over to www.theactorsbusinessnetwork.com and you can find all of the resources from today's episode on there I do hope you have a lovely week. Enjoy. Bye-bye.